The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. And that's because the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe has some great features like the available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, and much, much more. So think about those places that you want to go, the things that you'd like to do this weekend and where the Santa Fe can take you. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Freaking first cut. Golly. Welcome to the First Cut Podcast. I'm Rick Gaben, and this is your recap episode for this week's Shriners Children's Open. And joining me to break it all down, Greg Ducharme is here. Greg, I'm not going to reveal the winner yet, but we were in Vegas. We didn't get a playoff, and we actually got a runaway, a four-shot victory out there. A little bit different than what we normally see. Right, and in an event like this where there's so many birdies out there, you just feel like it's going to get bunched up. And it was looking that way yesterday, heading into today. You had to scroll on the PGA Tour app a couple times to feel like, okay, this is where these guys probably can't win. So there there was a big bunch up there who I, I felt had a chance coming into today. And what do you get? Uh, a runaway. He did not need all of these, but Sung J.M., and it, Makes me so happy to say this. Has won the Shriners Children's Open a Sunday 62 in which, Greg, I don't know where to start. I can rattle off the fact that he went out in 30. He came in in 32. He had a stretch from 6 through 13 where he birdied all but one. Uh, I, I'm not sure he hit a single bad shot on Sunday. I, 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 don't, I don't know. Like His approach into 18 where he left it to 25 feet was like the worst shot he hit all day. Yeah, maybe the tee shot. Um, you would you would know the hole better than I, but um, 15. fifteen, right? Yeah, yeah, fifteen yeah. <laughs> was a he, kind of a low pull. Um, he still made par, bogey free, and the cool thing about this round was we we typically see Sungjae or see a guy go and shoot a round of sixty two, and they just light it up in a particular area on the greens or approaching the greens or something something like that, but this whole week and this round was just really well-rounded for Sungjae. I, I, I wouldn't say he excelled in a particular area. I mean, maybe he excelled in every area, right? But he's ninth off the tee, sixth approaching the green, 13th around the green, ninth putt in for the week. <laughs> and it's just kind of everything, everything worked, which is, which is really cool to see and rare. Uh, yeah, and and very rare, and that's how you create a gap on the rest of the field, I suppose, like he did over the course of Sunday. This now his second victory. He won the 2020 Honda Classic, but more recently, Greg, and he talked about this in his post-round interview, you know, he's made some changes. We know that he got a place in Atlanta. He got a permanent residence, but also switching to a new caddy, kind of taking fitness a bit more seriously, and he talked about the second win feeling like it was a lot harder than the first. The first was hard, but the second one, that validation win that we often talk about out of the mouth of Sung JM said it was much more difficult. It kind of reminds me of Colin Morikawa after winning the PGA last year where he had a, a rough playoff and he didn't reset his goals. And you kind of reach a point where 
you you don't know what to expect when you get out on the PGA Tour. And while he was a great player on the Corn Ferry Tour, I'm not sure his goals and and his mindset was some of the things people are talking about now, being a, a best player in the world candidate. I think that's a little bit of a stretch right now, but there are a lot of conversations about this. Where does Sung JM fit in the, uh, in the official world golf rankings, but where is his ceiling? Where is his height? Is he the, the leader of, of an international president's cup team? I'm not sure these kind of accolades and, and this kind of performance was on his mind when he first comes out on the PGA tour. So then you get a win and, you it's a huge success you win the honda classic and it, it it's a big deal and you wonder okay well what what now all my i want to win on tour i want to win on tour i want to win on tour i want on tour okay well what's next if you're tiger woods coming out or even a colin morikawa or, or something and and you win you're excited because it's your first one but you know there's so much more coming and you're not trying to prove to yourself can i can I win? You're saying, well, how, how much can I win? And I think that's a big difference. I'm not sure Sung Jay was in that camp. I, I, I don't know that for sure, but that would be my guess. And that's what makes the second one so much harder. You almost have to reset and you realize in the next week, okay, that was a great week, but it's hard to get in that spot. It's hard to get in that zone where everything's clicking on all cylinders and, and you're able to get the job done. I mean, there have been close calls and, and, other great finishes for him, but you don't win and you realize, okay, it's a lot harder than I thought. So, um, very interesting to see, to hear him say that, but I think fitness wise, I think he looks great. He looks like he's in much better shape, um, which which could really go a long way for him. Yeah. Clearly, um, the, the fitness is such a big part of golf now over the last, you know, 20 years. It was not, these guys take it much more seriously. Now they're all legitimate athletes. I'm glad you mentioned that. I'm, I'm assuming what you're referencing is the comment that Trevor Immelman made as he was yeah. asked about what the trajectory is for Sung J M. Trevor said he could be the best player in the world. Now this is a guy who's been very exposed to Sung J M at, at the president's cup in, in Australia. He's going to get an opportunity to do it again, uh, with, with, uh, now being the captain of, of that team. And I, I think it's, it, I, I don't listen. If Sung Jae becomes the best player in the world, that's great. The, the game is so deep. Um, I think we're a little bit far away from from saying something like that. But this this career trajectory for Sung Jae is best player on the Corn Ferry Tour, Rookie of the Year on the PGA Tour, now multi time winner. And Trevor um, described him as a sponge, somebody who is always looking to learn more, to get better, and to improve his game. His attitude definitely seems to be in the right place where it's constant improvement. I'm just going to go out there and play. It wouldn't surprise me if he won a major and was flying, uh, you know, public the next day, like we saw with Hideki Matsuyama, right? He has, he seems to have that kind of personality, uh, that kind of air about him, that kind of attitude about him, which is refreshing and nice to see. So here on the first cut, we're all big fans of Sung J.M., um, especially you, Rick, I would say you're leading that, uh, that I have a couple camp. of notes before we move on about that. Yes. <laughs> so it, again, it's very cool to see, and he's really impressive. I do think it's a stretch to say that he, he could reach world number one with all the players that are ahead of him. The, I haven't seen the consistency out of him yet in contending week after week. And I also, I think he might play too much. I think he may have to adjust his schedule and kind of model what he does after, 
what most of these top guys yeah, do. Let's talk about that. There's a reason, right, that these guys play like 17 or 18 times and they don't play 33 times like Sungjae does, right? There's right. there's a, I assume, a part of, uh, there's a lot of reasons, but I assume the biggest reasons are, one, you pick the events that you think are best f- suited for you uh, or the most prestigious. And two, it allows you to stay in uh, essentially peak performance, be well-rested, be ready to rock and roll every single time that you tee it up. Right. The, there's a recipe, and I'm no expert on this, but there's a recipe to reach world number one. And it comes from performing really well in certain events. And if mm-hmm. and if you, when you look at Sungjae right now, playing in every event, he's trying to become the best player he can be, and he likes to play. And so, especially, I mean, you don't have a, a place to live. You're living out of a hotel, and you're a young guy just kind of getting your feet wet. It makes sense to do what he did. You just go play every week. Right. Well, I'm not going to stay in a hotel and have a week off. It, it doesn't make any sense. But when you start to try to reach the peak of the game, not just your personal peak, but the peak of the game, you have to target events and target your performance a little bit differently. And you got to point it towards majors. We talk about it all the time. Most players on the PGA Tour are not trying to peak for major championships. They're trying to peak whenever they can. They're trying to get their game to a place where they can win. And the week that it happens doesn't really matter. But there are a few near the top who play in events to get ready for other events. And, and they, so you'll, you'll see a common schedule and it's typically some guys like to play one week before a major. Some guys like to play two weeks, take a week off play. Some guys like to make a major their third week in a row. There's, there's a recipe for everybody. But it's typically not just play every week. And um, for Sungjae to take the next step, in my opinion, he's got to um, use a little more s- strategy in his schedule making mm-hmm. and schedule events for a purpose. And that'll get rid of, it'll cut out some of those stretches where he's T35, T32, T23, you know, T45. Right. The, the money is made on tour in the pop. The, the big event, the big performance, the top fives and the wins are heavily rewarded, especially towards the end of the uh, end of a season. And you have to manage your schedule that way. It, it's not a volume contest. And, and when he realizes that and shifts that mindset and it's not like I'm playing on the PGA Tour, how could I say no? Which I understand. How could I how can I, I skip this event? Yeah, I get, I get it. it. But uh, eventually... I think he's got to adjust that a little bit and it will help his performance. Uh, two quick things. So uh, you mentioned my uh, love for Sung JM. Just love the game, love the guy. You know that I, uh, I I print his photo up and put it on my ball that, you know, that that graphic from the tour championship a couple. Yeah, of, it's beautiful. Uh, yeah, a couple of years ago. Right. So uh, I lost some of those uh, in like May or June at TPC Summerlin. And Sung Yil No found them and sent a picture to Sung Jay. And he, I never imagined that was ever going to get back to Sung Jay. So part one, um, I'm now saying that was, that was, that was ritualistic of me. I was spreading those Sung Jay balls all around TPC Summerlin to ensure that this victory was coming. Can I take credit? Can I take credit? Absolutely. (laughs) Absolutely. I give it all to you. The other thing is someone tweeted at me and said, I, I got a good look at Sung Jay's ball and it has uh, a photo of Rick Rungood on it. <laughs> <laughs> if there's a character or picture of you out there in oh. making some gesture, 
like Sungjae, I have got to see it because that's oh, beautiful. It's amazing. Um, the course was in phenomenal shape. Do you like that? So, so again, a very low cut cut line again. We saw that last year is historically low with the way that the course kind of plays out, especially the last final five holes or so. There's a lot of opportunities out there. We talk about this all the time with birdie fests. Is this is this good because it allows? I feel like this allows more guys to actually win. Is that? I think that's it. Accurate. Does yeah, yeah, I do. Uh, and the reason is there's a smaller difference in the skill requirement, if that makes sense. Where hmm. it, when you go play, uh, let's say Riviera at the the Genesis. And it's set up near major championship like conditions and you get a winning score somewhere between 10 and 18 under par. The difference between a really good shot and a marginal shot is expanded where here it's not necessarily that that's not necessarily the case. So there's basically no rough. I mean, you could hit it. There were a couple spots out there where you hit it outside the bunkers and you end up basically in the fairway. Um, the desert is, you know, the desert also it has a little bit of, it's almost like Pinehurst number two, where you can be totally fine. You can get, right. you can hit it in the desert and have a, have no trouble at all. It's like a flat, no lip fairway bunker. Right. You might even have a better angle, but, <laughs> but then you could also get completely, uh, completely hosed there, but, um, but that's beside the point. Then you come into greens. You don't have a lot of wind. You don't have a lot of elements to deal with. And there are a lot of guys who can shoot really low scores on that kind of golf course. So the game isn't put to the test at the same level, but that being said, in order to win that kind there, there are difficulties in winning an event like that as well. So yes, I agree with you. More guys are able to contend and compete. So it may not be the greatest separator of skill, but at the same time, because so many guys really have a chance, it's really hard to win. It's it's mm-hmm. almost the opposite of what Brooks Kepka says about majors, how it's kind of easy. You, you chip away at the field because some guys just don't have the game to do it. Some guys aren't long enough to do it. Some guys just, they can't handle a major championship. And there's other guys that I'm just going to beat. And so he whittles it away and says, in a major, I got to beat 30 guys. In this event, you got to beat everybody because you don't know who is going to go out there and go crazy low. And you know that everybody can. So it's a it's a big difference, but there are just different challenges. Playing out of the desert is generally fine if you don't pay for your own golf clubs. Uh, if you do pay for your own golf clubs, it is troublesome uh, from firsthand experience. Solo second goes to one Matthew. Wolf, who has uh, happened to finish runner-up at this event in the past. 65 on Saturday for Wolf. He entered the final round in second place. He was one shot back of Adam Shank. Um, and and to me, Matthew Wolf is Jameis Winston, right? Jame- you get the full Jameis Winston experience, right? Two drives on Sunday, the worst interception I've ever seen, and he backs up like a 75-yard touchdown pass on the next drive. Matthew Wolf gives you... The good, the bad, the ugly in the extremes, right? So he he did not – he hit a fairway on 18, Greg. That was the first fairway he hit since number three, and it was just – it just seemed like a battle kind of all day long, but he still he still got in in a 68. He, he hit three fairways. Now, again, uh, that's a sign that, – that can be a sign of a few things. One, when you hit it the length that he hits it, you're not going to hit every fairway. 
which is which is fine. I mean, he can hit good tee shots that miss the fairway. So that number is not a huge deal. But he did put himself in some precarious situations and was not able to have as many birdie looks. Again, on this venue, you it, it should turn into a putting contest. And all you have to do is avoid hitting it in the lip of a bunker. You avoid those kind of things, and you're going to have a lot of birdie opportunities. And today, for Matthew Wolf, unfortunately, um, he wasn't able to do that. Let's bring in another cowboy to provide perspective on this. Kyle Porter, KP one, welcome back. And there, there's this is there's going to be so much good good stuff for you to talk about here. There is um, <laughs> Sungjae, maybe the best player of all time. Easily, uh, I Matthew. Think. Yeah, I mean, you are you. That's how we opened, by the way. <laughs> what are you? Uh, did you hear Trevor Owen talking about how he could be number one in the world someday? Do you guys agree? Yeah, we, we we talked about it. Um, I think generally our stance was there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of guys, um, and that's going to be hard to do for anybody. And Greg, I believe, pointed to consistency, wanting to yeah. kind of have see him see him compete more often. I think the one thing that he has going for him is if you were like, what's the best part of Sung Jay's game? Uh, some weeks he's really good. He's like, he's really good at a lot of things. Right. And, and, and we saw that this week where he was just across the board, like top 15 in all stack categories. So, um, that's a, that's a big leap, but I do think that he is on a very good trajectory. I I do too. I I think that (laughs) we kind of throw around like number one in the world, like we do with multiple major winner. You're like, Mm. I don't know, man, there's only 23 guys that have ever been number one in the world. It's really hard. And you kind of got to get a little bit lucky. I think there. I think it's interesting with him that he is young, but he's also really experienced. And so I never know what I don't ever. I, I don't. I don't know how to categorize those guys because you're not. It's not like you're. Um, this isn't like your fifteenth PGA Tour event, right? I get that you're twenty three. You've played a lot, and you you haven't won a ton, but when you win, it's like, this is a good field. Right. And he will, it looks, it's so easy. And you're like, Oh, well, I kind of get like the, the long-term trajectory of it being really good. So I don't know. I think, I don't know what to make of what his future looks like, but he's so much fun. Like I, I'm probably not as deep in the Sungjae game as Rick is, which I don't know that anybody is, but he's he's a ton of fun to watch. I loved his interview afterward. Um, I thought it was I thought it was great. I think the way that he kind of um, just talks about golf and and talks about um, you know sticking to what he knows and what he did. He's he's a very endearing character, and uh, we always need more of those in golf. It's easy for us to forget about how young he is here, Greg. So here's a Justin Ray tweet from just a little bit ago. So Sung J M gets his second PGA Tour victory, 23 years, six months, 10 days old. It's hard to forget he's 23 and a half years old. In the last 50 years, the only non-US players to win twice at a younger age. Pretty, pretty decent list here. Sevi, Sergio, Rory McElroy, Victor Hovland, John Rahm, and Siwoo Kim. Like, uh, pretty solid. It's pretty stout good. Stout list. <laughs> stout. This, by the way, is his um one hundredth. This is his one hundredth. I thought I heard them start. say that. I think he. Exactly I think the Honda was his fiftieth. Which is consistency. Right. Yeah, he's going to win one fifty, right? two hundred, two fifty. <laughs> That's great. Which for him is once a year, basically. 
Right. Yeah, right. yeah. He can run with the DJ record. <laughs> that was one thing, Kyle, in the um, in the quest to number one in the world that I think he needs to adjust a little bit is his schedule in the way that he like it's not a volume game. You got to get to where you peak for the right events. And and I, I think eventually you'll see his schedule change a little bit. Um, because like Rick was saying, there's a reason the top guys are playing a certain number of events, and it's not it, it it doesn't look like this near the top of the official world golf rankings. It doesn't look like 35 events, 26 events in 2020, 35 events in 2021. Um, it, it doesn't look like that. They don't play 35 events. Yeah, you're right. And I think, I think the other thing that's encouraging about, uh, encouraging about him is he's played well at the majors. You know, it's not some of these guys, you see them win a fall event. You're like, Oh, well, you've, even somebody like a Max Homa has really struggled at the major championships, right? Well, Sam, who, Sam Burns, Sam Burns. We yeah, just saw him win, and yeah, he's been terrible. Great example. And Sungjae, T two at last year's Masters. He's got a couple other top twenty five. So, so he's been. I don't know about relevant at the majors, but he's been somebody who's not been overwhelmed by them. So that's I, I think a that, the perfect way to say it. I think that's another kind of mark in his favor of. I, the other, I mean, we're going to talk about Sam Burns. There's just so many guys that you're like, oh, he's a top 25 guy. I, I say that about like 40 guys, and there's only, you know, it's it's musical chairs. It's very very difficult to get a spot in that top 25, and even more so in that top 10, top 15. So, I, yeah, I love Sungjae. That was it was a great week for him. It was it was fun to watch. You actually picked him to win. Uh, you were not here to. Give us your in-person take on it. Hope you hope you had some nice nice time away. But why why Sungjae this week? Why why was that what we uh, uh, blasted out in the universe on Tuesday? Yeah, so I, I put that out there on Tuesday. I actually went back and forth on it, and I finally just went with it. He he had a bad uh, iron uh, approach play week last week at the Sanderson, and I went back and looked at, at basically his entire 2021. If he has a bad week one week, he almost always bounces back in a huge way the following week. Now, not maybe not as much. I think he finished what fourth or fifth in in approach play this week. Um, so that's a little bit of an outlier. But I, I was he's somebody who he's so good he doesn't have multiple weeks like that in a row. Uh, he has over the course of his career, but it doesn't it hasn't happened often, especially in 2021. So I, I was it's it's weird. Some guys they 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 have a bad week and and it can go the other way. But for him, he's just so solid with his irons that I thought he would bounce back, uh, which mm-hmm. he ended up doing this week at, at uh, in Vegas. Great pick, love it. Um, what was more disappointing, Greg? And I don't know if Wolf's Sunday was disappointing. I mean, it was all over. I guess it was. He lost like three strokes off the tee. Or Sam Burns, uh, hottest player on the planet, lapping the field for his last seven rounds from tee to green starting the final round two shots back and ending up ending up shooting a 72 and finishing T14 didn't see that coming no and that's likely the more disappointing one matthew wolf got in it he shot 300 par right and and you look at it and you say he has been dealing with some things and he's had some you know he took a long a lot of time off for his mental health last year yeah, so it's great months. to see him back and healthy and and I think that's a plus for Matthew Wolf, and and it's a good sign. And this is it, it's great for it, it's great for Matthew Wolf. Is he is he leaving happy? No, he's upset. He didn't win, of course. But 
I don't think it's that disappointing. But for Sam Burns, it, it's an all-around weak performance on Sunday. And you did it the week before. And so your your anticipation going into the final round is really, really high. And to go out there and shoot over par and never get anything going and just kind of feel like you're you're stuck in the mud. I mean, he he lost, I think, in every... I have it right here. Yeah, he lost strokes in every category on Sunday. That's a that's a bad that's a bad Sunday performance for Sam Burns, and so I, I think that's a, a little bit more disappointing. Although I mean, it's well, due to happen, but it's more disappointing. This, this is what we saw at the beginning of the year, right, Rick? Whenever he he goes out, what was it? Farmers. He was in that final group and four just really on the first screen. <laughs> yeah, not good. And there was one. I think there was one other event that that happened in. Um, well, so, yeah, he, he had it, the he had the Riviera lead until the back nine, and then it got away from him. Yeah, that was that was what I was thinking of. Um, I don't know, man. He's playing so well. You know, he's finished so in the top fifteen. I think in four of his last six events, dating back to St. Jude. He's really. I think he's setting himself up for what could be kind of a kind of a big time spring now. Does he take advantage of that with wins? Who knows? That's very circumstantial. But he's he's kind of coming on. Like, and you know, he's another guy that he's not super, super young, but he he's kind of in that phase where you can kind of grow a lot year over year. And I'm I'm very interested. He's number 18 in the world. He's gonna be ranked ahead of he might be ranked ahead of Rory McElroy going into 2022. And I think that. There's a lot of expectations that come with that. And I'm excited about what could happen for him next spring. I remember a conversation we had um, about his iron play and, and how we were talking about the, the ceiling of Sam Burns, like we do after almost every player wins. (laughs) And, and we were looking at that iron play over, over his first couple of years. And he made a big jump from his first two years on tour to last year where it became a strength. And the difference, as you pointed out, Kyle, was most of these other young stars have been elite iron players since they came out. And he mm-hmm. he took a big step there. So with Sam Burns, for me, I'm really interested to see if if that, what he did last year, was something that he figured out how to do and is going to continue to do it, or if last year was just a really good year with iron play. And you win one of the first two events what whatever two or three events of the season and you can basically consider that 2021 but you get into what's he going to do going forward and his next season going to look a lot statistically like last season did and if it does then you're right that it'll be a it'll be a monster year because he's a great he's always been a great putter we've mm-hmm. seen him stripe it off the tee especially on Sundays and when you have that capability whether or not you do it every time you're going to contend and and he has a rare, he has the opportunity to be one of those rare players that is great with irons and great with putting, and it's a lethal combination. It it will lead to success. So, twenty twenty one, the season. So I guess that's end of twenty twenty and beginning of twenty twenty one. He was point six strokes gained on approach shots, and the three previous seasons he was in the negative. So that's like a almost a I mean from 2019 to 2021 it was almost a stroke differential just on his approach game which is which is what you're referencing Greg yep. um which is incredible I mean that that yeah like Huge you said, jump. it does 
that doesn't happen. And it was interesting. He lost a lot of distance. This is, I'm looking at data golf right now. He lost a lot of distance, not a lot, but he lost some distance uh, off the tee. And so he, he's playing, it seems like a little bit more of a controlled game, putting himself in good situations. And then just his iron play was unbelievable. So yeah, if that continues and he cleans up a little bit of his short game stuff, I mean, again, he's number 18 in the world right now. He's he's really good. And, uh, yeah, that's exciting, I think, going into 2022. That um that distance loss, the distance loss, which is, I mean, you're talking about going from, what do you see in there, like 315 to 305? <laughs> yeah. But, right. So, um, but, but that kind I of... I feel a, so sorry for him. <laughs> that kind of a distance loss with the improvement in the iron play I didn't. I don't know what kind of shot he hit before. Like I don't know what his shot shape was before last year. He really came on the scene, and you started seeing him on TV. Quite frankly, we didn't see a lot of Sandbirds on TV. And if you knew about him, you're looking at him for fantasy purposes, and you're looking on RickRungood.com. You're not watching him hit the ball. So I don't know what kind of shot shape he hit, but that sounds to me like he learned how to hit a how to hit a cut. Like he went Dustin Johnson early. And all of a sudden, he just starts to play a fade, which I see now. He plays a fade, plays a fade, plays a fade. It improves the iron play, and you might lose a little bit of you might lose a little bit of distance, but it's uh, hugely advantageous for control. Yeah, you, uh, I so on my website, I have to, I set a default for like who is like the first one when you click golfer profiles, like who comes up. Like I just want to I for so long I just like locked in Sam Birds. It's like he's just the default guy that pops up when you when you go there. Uh, KP, what I was ready for on Sunday was Matthew Wolf, who has been uh, very open and honest and transparent about uh, his mental health, to hoist a trophy on World Mental Health Day. I, I was I was ready for that. Yeah, I mean, it would have been awesome. It would have been very, very storybook. And, and you know, it's weird. He's somebody who he's only been out there for, what, two and a, two, a little over two years on the tour. And it feels like he's lived like three careers already. Like he's he's had so many different things that have, you know, kind of taken place between contending at the U.S. Open. He's kind of in it at uh, TPC Harding Park. He's I mean, this was kind of a bookend, Rick, to um, – so his last top 10 on the tour was at this event. He lost in a playoff last year, right? Martin Laird right. won. Correct. And yeah. he finished T2. He finishes solo second this year. So I'm hopeful that that bookend is kind of the, the uh, uh, regeneration of like, okay, now he's uh, – yeah. I, I don't know what Matthew Wolf is going to end up being, but he does, another guy that has top 20 talent, top 25, top 30 talent, um, if mentally he's engaged and, um, you know, I think that, that part of golf is, it's so hard, you know, it's so, so difficult. Um, and you have to kind of learn it. And I'm, 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 I don't know what has gone on there, but I I'm hopeful that he has gotten at least mentally in a place where he feels healthy enough to go out and compete because, He's a guy that kind of like a Spieth or a JT or whoever, like when he's in it, that's exciting, right? Because right. he's unique and he's fun. And there's just, there's a lot of, I've been around him a little. There's just a ton of energy there. And I think that it, it even, it comes through on TV. Like you, you just, I don't know, you just feel it a little bit whenever he's in the, in the middle of things. So I'm hopeful for that. And, and it was, it was really cool to see him 
not only play well, but talk about how he feels mentally healthier than he has in, in quite a while. Yeah. Obviously rooting for him, hoping, uh, and he's played and he's played better a couple weeks now. So hopefully this yeah. uh, good stretch continues for him. I've got some other topics to go through, but here are a couple nuggets real quick. Couple OWGR nuggets from Nosferatu on Twitter, who is just loving this stuff. Loves it. Loves it. You know what? Get a passion for something like Nosferatu yeah, has go. for OWGR rankings. Yes. Love it. Right? He, he owns it. a niche. This is what when people email me and say, hey, how do I get into this stuff? It's like, hey, go own a niche, right? Go yeah. own um, like the, the this sounds silly, but like the graph that you made, Rick, of like, hey, who's been putting uh, who's gotten like the unlucky putting versus like hitting the ball well, like you own yeah. that, right? Like yeah. the reason I know about that stat is because of rickrungood.com. There, there's a guy who does wet. He's a meteorologist who does weather for fantasy, like baseball games and football. And he's the, he's the guy. It's a niche. Yeah. Go get yourself. Yeah. It's he's you're it, an it expert. Yes. It can't be too small. You can't make it. I mean, weather for fantasy. Are you kidding me? Like that's, <laughs> that's, that's extraordinarily small. And yet there's a guy. There's a guy. And it's, that's, it's awesome. Here are the nuggets. For the first time in eight years, Gary Woodland, he gone from the top 100 in the official world golf rankings and replacing him. I guess not. It's not like binary. He's not just like replacing Gary Woodland, but slipping into the top 100. Seamus Power. Let's go. Seamus has been on an unbelievable run. He won the Corn Fair. No, he played well at the Corn Fair event out here in May, went on that great run, won Barbasol. Now he's a top 100 player in the world. Could we have like a Shane Lowry, Seamus Power, Ryder Cup contingent in two years? Yes. The, the Irish, the okay. Irish contingent. We had so to bring it up. It's never too early. Who's who's the third ranked Irish player in the world behind those two? Or actually, Harrington Lowry. is probably ahead well, of. Hold on, is probably Boy, ahead Lowry, of uh, Power. Uh, what about Padre? Oh, he probably is. He finished it like T six at the PGA. I think it was T four. It's worth a lot of points. T four. Yeah. There you go. What is he? He's four. Oh, I thought he. I thought it was fortieth. It's a week forty. I was like, oh my god. Uh. What? What do you got, Jacob? Got, Anybody? We got producer Jacob trying to sort. He can't do it. <laughs> go to go to regions. Click on regions up there. There you go. Oh boy. Oh, you this go is scroll down there, to I. Yeah. There we go. Shane Lowry, Seamus Power, Patrick Harrington is third. He's go. 174th. Then I got no, nobody after that. Niall Kearney Paul is Dunn. 408th. Yeah, it's, it's top heavy from Ireland. Wow, Paul, oh, Dunn, Paul Dunn. He's impressive. I, I, I would, I mean, I guess I, for, I forgot about him off the top of my head, but he's impressive to watch. He almost won St. Andrews as an amateur. Yeah. He's got a sweet swing. It's so he, simple. I mean, professional golf is is not easy. No. Yeah, and I misattributed uh, Rory McIlroy. He's from Northern Ireland. Um, <laughs> it's been a long week. People, people, I, I tweeted out a thread after the Ryder Cup that said, like, six of the worst seven players at the Ryder Cup were Englishmen, and I was including Harris English in there, and the other six were, <laughs> or five of the other six were actually from England. But Rory was in that, and people were like, Rory's not English. I was like, yeah, I know. I, I, I get it. Like, I understand. It's it's a thing. Um, 
All right, here's what we got to do. We got to talk about Phil, believe it or not. Phil Mickelson has made an outline. Yeah, we do. We are going to talk about Phil. We're going to go through our best bets. <laughs> we're going to look at our one and done standings. But first, we're going to take a quick break and hear a word from our partners. Did you know that more than 75% of Americans will experience foot pain in their lifetime, but only 10% will seek out a solution for that pain. Those numbers do not add up to me. And I know it can be confusing the biomechanics of the foot, the bones, the muscles, everything in between, but solving foot pain is simple. And that's where super feet comes into play. These super feet insoles go into your shoes, give your feet comfort and support where they need it the most and redistribute the forces that reduce both stress and strain through your entire body, not just your feet. Insoles have been uh, phenomenal for me uh, personally, and they are clinically proven to decrease fatigue, reduce injury, and improve comfort. I can attest to that myself, especially when walking uh, a lot of golf holes that I play. So if you feel good, you play good, you look good, everything works out from there and it starts from the bottom up. Visit superfeet.com and enter promo code FIRST at checkout for 15% off your first order plus free shipping. It's a really fine line creating workout clothes that are great in the gym and workout clothes that are also great to look at outside the gym. And Viore has threaded that needle. They are designed to work out in, but they don't look like it. They don't feel like it. And it's incredibly comfortable stuff, whether you are running, training, swimming, doing yoga, running errands, lounging around the house. It really doesn't matter. These are versatile clothes. You'll find me often in the men's Sunday performance jogger because I, I like the jogger situation that goes on down at the bottom, but they're very comfortable. Uh, they've got a little bit of a shorter inseam, so they're not as bulky as, as other pants or other joggers that I have seen out there. And I've really enjoyed how they work both in and out of the gym. So now here's what you can do for four, our listeners, uh, first time purchasers are getting 20% off. All you have to do is go to viori.com slash first. That's V-U-O-R-I.com slash first. Again, not only will you receive 20% off your first order, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75. And here's my favorite part, free returns. Yeah, go check it out. Viori.com slash first and discover the versatility of Viori clothing. And we're back. Phil Mickelson has done it again. He has won on the PGA Tour champions. Now, his third victory, Greg, in four starts on the senior circuit. We talk a lot about like so-and-so is bridging the gap to the champions tour, right? Like when you when you turn 50, you're like, boom, primed and ready to go. But Phil is just winning at an unbelievable clip. I've had um some pretty strong concerns for PGA Tour champions for their future. Because the players on tour now have earned so much money. Interesting. And you look mm. at all of them. I mean, you you just start to look at a, a player like Cameron Tringale. And now he <laughs> that, may be a bad example. That's the one I thought you were going to pick. <laughs> but but he is a, he's a guy who hasn't won on tour. He's a very good player. But you could call him a journeyman. You could call him a PGA Tour journeyman. And he's made like generational kind of uh, kinds of dollars. And everybody, it seems like everybody out there who has played a significant career on the PGA Tour 
has that. And they have this retirement fund that comes in and there's so much good. And the game has also at the same time gotten really physical and it's become a real challenge in the fitness world. Uh, and, and health has become a big concern. And you wonder how many of these guys are going to want to travel when they turn 50 or, or are we going to start to see careers shorten? So I think it's important that Phil plays because in Arnold Palmer, um, is somebody who really got that tour going and, and some of those stars, the original champions brought attention to it and they made it a real thing and they made it highly competitive. And if you don't get some of the big stars who are truly champions from the PGA tour, then you run into some trouble, become something that, that doesn't draw any attention. Uh, you don't want to watch guys just kind of sail out of their career who you've never heard of. But when it's Phil, we want to watch Phil. So it's it's so important that he goes out there and plays. And um, and I hope other guys, even if they don't need it, follow suit. And and it it um, kind of stays in business. So I, yeah, Phil Phil's an important piece for the Champions Tour, in my opinion. yeah. I I think he is. I I also don't know if he's the he, Phil's tough because he, he's a little bit of like a sociopath when it comes to competitiveness, right? Like I, it almost doesn't like he would just play like what anything. Right. And so I think it matters that I think it matters that Phil plays, but I think it also matters that guys like Furick and Stricker and these guys that are kind of also made a ton of money, but are maybe not as like psychotic competitively as Phil, although maybe they are. I, I don't know, but they don't, it doesn't, they're not like, as outward with it for sure. And so I think it matters that those guys alongside Phil. Um, and obviously Phil's like the, the marketing tool, but I think, I think it matters that all those guys from that generation, you, you're kind of, you're seeing them kind of graduate into that. I did see a thing on Twitter, like is Phil the best uh, over 50 player of all time, which, you know, he's three for four in terms of champions tour wins, but he also won a major at yeah, age right. 50, which is insane. Uh, so I think you can make the case that like, even though he's only played in, you know, 20 events as a 50-year-old, like, or maybe probably more than that, 30 or 40 on the PGA Tour and, and PGA Tour champions, that he's maybe the best over 50 player in, in the history of golf, which is kind of who, funny to think Who about. are the other options? He's 51. Sam Snead. Sam, Sam Snead. Sam Snead. Um, it is, longer, it is I mean, yeah. Longer's Fred Couples been great. Yeah. And uh, they do Burn try out. to, it isn't it. There are some concerns uh, and they do try to work on that, Greg. Like they don't play, they don't play every single week. It's only three rounds and no cut. I think for the majors, they go to four rounds, but they do. Uh, you're right. They, they do try to figure, uh, figure some stuff out. The ladies, how about this? Jin, Jin Young Co. She's unbelievable. Goes wire to wire at the Founders Cup. Ties Annika's record with 14 consecutive rounds in the 60s. And this is like, a tiger thing, Greg, when, when you, when you are in like the short list of tiger stats or you are on the short list of Annika stats, uh, you are doing unheard things in your sport. 14 rounds. You're talking about, I mean, unless she's playing the Shriners, she's making the cut in all those events. So, <laughs> you know, it, it's, it's three, three straight <laughs> events of all four rounds in the sixties. That That is really high level golf whatever kind of golf course setup you're playing your bad day is 69 or 68 or who know i mean who knows what but really really good so it, it's a 
an extremely deep talent pool on the LPGA tour as well. And they know how to score. They know how to go shoot low numbers. And she is right up there with the, with the best of them. So it, it's cool to watch someone playing on a hot streak like that. Cause it's just such high quality golf. Quick glance. One player in the field from the Shriners shot in the sixties, both rounds and missed the cut. So it, a lot of guys shot like 68, 70 missed the cut. Right. JT Poston shot a pair of 69s and missed the cut. That's last year. You could shoot a pair of 68s and miss the cut. Yeah. It's wild. It's I, crazy. Got a, uh, I got an LPJ stat for you guys. Okay. I have one more for you. You go first. Okay. So <laughs> how about this? Nine. How many majors does Jin Yanko have? Uh, I just, I, j- I literally just closed it. I didn't know you were going to ask me that. Two. She's got two. Okay. So nine of the last 10 major winners on the women's side are first time winners. Wow. The only, the only the one that's not, the only one that's not is Anna Norquist who, who just won the, the women's British Minji Lee. First time Nelly Korda, Yuka Sasso, Patty Tavitanikit, nice. Sophia Popov. I mean, it's, it's crazy. Jin, actually, Jin Yanko was, a, was the uh, last one other than uh, Anna Norquist that wasn't a first-time winner. She won the Evian in, in uh, 2019. So that's pretty crazy. And you know, I think that you don't want to – I w- here's what I wish. I wish that the men's and women's majors were uh, staggered throughout the year more. Like, hmm. I think it would be <clears> – <throat> You don't you don't want to relegate the women's majors to like oh play them in the fall when the men like I, that that sounds like second class you don't want that but man that uh, U.S. Women's Open last year I think it was in December that yeah. was awesome like it, there was no, there's not there was nothing else going on and you're like this is this is great it just become I, you want that to be like center stage type stuff and I wish that there was a way to kind of stagger them more throughout the year across all of golf, whether that's like, you know, amateur stuff, uh, LPGA, uh, men's majors, all of that stuff to be able to stagger them, to get them all kind of the attention that they, that they deserve. Hmm. I think you could stagger them during the week too. I I don't think there's any reason why you have to end on Sunday. Yes. And if you finished like, for instance, on, on golf channel this week, they had college golf playing. And, yeah, and you, one. you can yeah. watch it. You only have so much time during a, a day, during a Sunday to watch anything, to watch TV. Yeah. And so yeah. all of us in that time that you can watch TV, what's on your what's on the what's on? And it's either decided by what time you're watching. So if you can only watch from eight to ten in the morning, you're probably watching the European tour. Mm. Um, and if you can watch really late at night, you might catch the LPGA tour. But if you're watching in prime time, you're watching the PGA Tour. And so it, it it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. And I don't think it's a relegation to go to the fall or to go to a Wednesday finish or something. like. I don't think that's a relegation. It's a simple comp. It's a competition for eyes. And you have to figure out how to win that. And I think they could get creative with it. And it would really help. Because you're right. That one in December, the, the U.S. Open at champion. Um, what was it? Um, champion. I keep wanting to say champions retreat, but I know that's Augusta national women's <laughs> amateur. <laughs> I've played um, champions retreat. It was not that champions, champions club. 
Champions Club in yeah in Texas. It was, was awesome. Cool. I yeah. totally agree. As I don't remember the name of the course, but, but I think um, I think there's like you're right. Like if you overlap them, because like I watched the U.S. Uh, uh, the U.S. Women's Open, which was at Olympic this year, and that's that's in the middle of all the PGA Tour stuff. But it was still like it's such a big deal that it's like okay, I'm you know I'm in on this. Yeah, so you but you still have, have to some, make that choice. Yeah, you could, for sure. You could have some overlap, I think, in the summer. But if you like staggered them, one in the spring, one in the fall, whatever. That I think that'd be awesome. I think that'd be really really cool. That was Jin Young Ko's tenth career. LPGA victory, all of them since 2017. Wowzers. Wow. Gentlemen, I got some good news and I got some bad news. Oh, Our best bets are... Well, your bad news is my good news that I was off on Tuesday. So. Our hot garbage. <laughs> <laughs> However, the good news is there's only one direction for us to go uh, because we were 0-4. Let's recap. Kyle, thank God you picked uh, some JM to, to win this event, and we tweeted that out because I had Abe answer to finish inside the top 20. He played terribly and missed the cut. Greg, you had Webb Simpson to finish inside the top 10. He also played terribly and missed the cut. It was carnage. You know, the the six, so I always look at carnage for like what popular players missed the cut. If you look at the, the six of six rate, in DFS, Greg, sub 1% this week. It, yeah. it was just carnage. That's We talked about it earlier in the week. The good players in this event are at really high miscut risk. Because of what we talked about earlier, I think it might have been before Kyle got on, but a golf course set up like this doesn't, it, it allows, a, it opens the door for a lot of players to get in. Beth Page Black, when they played the PGA there, everybody said before that event, there are 15 guys who can win here. That's it. So it's really limited and your stars perform well because they have an edge, a very clear edge. And it, it's not the case this week. So I'm not surprised at all to hear that. Mark went with Siwoo Kim as the top rest of world player. That's non-American. <laughs> That's tough. Uh, also missed the cut. And to round out our missed cuts, here's the real, here's, here yeah, is. this is, this is the good one. <laughs> <laughs> Coach went with Will, Will Zalatoris, who missed the cut over Sung J.M., the guy who won. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that could have been much worse. We've missed four cuts, and we battled the guy who won in a matchup. That's as bad as it gets. Yikes. Tough season. It's not good. Uh, <laughs> the one and done is just as bad. Okay, so with that... Uh, Answer was a very popular pick this week. I had Abraham answer. Sia had Abraham answer. Jacob had Abraham answer. Greg had, had Abraham answer. All of them missed the cut. Coach backed up his Zalator's best bet by using him in the one and done. Zero dollars. Kyle uh, uh, went with Pat and Kazire out of the blue, seemingly. Uh, wh what was that about? Got you zero dollars. And I was reading uh, my guy Ben Coley over at... Uh... Sport cat, help me out, producer Jay. You got to We've got to figure this out. We never know where he's from. Sporting life. It's, sporting life. Sporting life. I always want to say sporting news. I grew up reading sporting news. Yeah, and that's not it. Anyway, Ben's great. His his uh, fantasy stuff is really good. Patton Kazire was not so good this week. He played well in the first round. I think he shot like seventy five in the second or something. 
I feel the, like you're kind of deflecting blame I, a little bit. I, I was going to say, you, you just threw Ben under the bus. <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't have done that. I, I will. I, and where I, does he work? I want to make sure to get this right. <laughs> yeah, that felt like a that felt like a Patrick Reed move right there. Ben, I'm sorry. Everybody should follow Ben. He's awesome. I uh, I take responsibility. I I should have I should have picked Sungjae, which I did on my uh, or I should have used Sungjae for my one and done. Yeah. Because uh, I picked him on on CBSSports.com. The only one of us who got any money got a lot of money. Uh, Mark, yeah, extends his lead. So Mark went wow. with Matt Wolf, got seven hundred and sixty-three thousand. So here we go. Coach Greg and Kyle, all still dollarless. Sia has one hundred eight thousand. I have one sixty-two. Jacob has three seventy-one, and Mark has one point six million, and he's. Trust me, not taking it humbly in the group chat. Uh, he's very excited about it. Yes. Um, and I'm glad everybody's on board with not responding to those kind yes, of We just did not. No one so there's what, seven of us or whatever. And Mark yeah. Mark texts uh on first of all, it's on Friday night, I think. Any any update on the one and done as we all missed the cut and he has Matthew Wolf and no one replied. <laughs> it's right here. There's just no response. It's amazing. <laughs> Nothing. It's amazing. That was a good move by everybody. Yeah, so um, I'm glad we're all on the same page there. But this is uh, this is uh, this is ugly. So that's my buddy, all I'll say. My buddy listens, and I was telling Greg this earlier, Kyle. Uh, he's like the best subplot that's going on is that Coach still has zero dollars after being <laughs> in the basement all last year, and also like changing the rules and being like, I'm gonna come out and lay the smack down. He's still dollarless. We should have given him a million dollars to start this year also. <laughs> Even though he didn't miss any of the season. We were trying to figure out. I said, unfortunately, everybody gets paid next week. So he's going to he's gonna get on the board. Unless we were trying to figure out the scenario like, okay, so we don't do alternates. So what would have to happen is uh, coach picks a player at 530 on Tuesday. And then like three minutes before their tee time, they WD and coach has that guy and gets zero dollars like, for it. Can't let his back locks up or something <laughs> or anybody. So yeah, I don't know who he's going to be. Tough. Yeah. <laughs> Otherwise he's getting on the board next week. Cause we learned yeah. from Daniel Berger. Once you hit your first tee shot, you get paid. Yeah. Well, fortunately uh, for Kyle and I, we're all getting on the board next week. <laughs> yeah. Coach is providing a lot of cover for you too. <laughs> for sure. Yes. It's, it's not been good and he deserves it. I mean, look, we, we have a little bit better history. Uh, it, <laughs> over the first two seasons. Yeah, benefit of the doubt. This is what we yeah. always talk about with guys. Do you get the benefit of the doubt? Craig and I have earned it over, right. sort of. I agree like with fourth. that. Yeah, well, we had a chance to win going into the Tour Championship last year. Yeah, for sure. I won the first rendition. So, I mean, I feel I kind of feel like myself right now, as disappointed as I am, and I can't believe there's a zero next to my name. I feel like I made one bad pick. Um, again, hard to say with zero dollars still on the board, <laughs> the other, the other but I also awesome. feel like <laughs> I, I got to get my NFL analogy. And I, I feel like a, a football coach who won a Super Bowl, but they haven't had any success after. And you kind of get four years. They give you, it's like, you're not going to get fired inside of four years after winning a Super Bowl as a head coach. So I, I feel like I'm kind of on that, uh, run right now, but it's, you might be, you might be good. Uh, Ed Orgeron from LSU. Oh, yeah. That's a great comparison. You're three and three. 
you won the title two Struggling. years ago. Right. Living, just living on that. And Joe no one, Burrow's you're taking no playing, Joe Burrow's playing in the NFL. You don't know what to do. <laughs> yeah. And he, and his best receiver is also was on your team. Yeah. Jamar Chase. It's a lot, it's a lot harder uh, when you don't have Joe Burrow. I've heard uh, that might be, that might be pretty good. Week one in Vegas in the books, CJ cup summit club next week. I'll be out there. I'm going to, I'm going to try to walk the course on Tuesday and figure out what the heck's going on. What well, what was your big takeaway from this week being out there? Get, give me like some, just give me a nugget. It doesn't even have to be just uh, behind the curtain, boy. but just what, what did you glean? What did you pick up? It is uh, a couple of things. Uh, if you want to get up close and personal to the top athletes in a sport that you love, uh, going to golf tournaments and especially going on Thursday and Friday, if you can swing it, is second to none. I, I mean, it's just, it's so good. And and to it's so different in person than it is on television. That's yeah. kind of part one. Uh, part two... I mean, I love that course and I love the way it's like, I just love the way it sets up where there's a lot of opportunities down the stretch and then 17 and 18 can kind of bite back a little bit and it's always in great shape, but otherwise um, there's not much defense, you know, as long as you stay out of the desert and as long as you can be a little creative around the greens, you're going to be just fine. But I, I just love, I love going to golf tournaments. Yeah. I think so it, it provides good, it provides good context for, all the stats we talk about, right? Because you you can okay. go ahead. Sorry, Mark texted me about this. So we were talking about this. So I'm obviously a big strokes gain guy. I obviously love it. You know, over time they're going to normalize, but you you definitely miss the ebbs and flows of in round stuff. Like like on Thursday morning there was a pin position on 14 where you just couldn't get to it. Like these guys hit a perfect shot. And it rolls down the slope to 35 feet. And like, that's not going to be reflected as well of, of how good of a shot that he hit or Hovland hits, hits one that darn near hits the stick. It trickles off the back. He makes bogey. Like there's just, there's ebbs and flows of these events. Uh, like when these guys get going that are going to be so hard to quantify without seeing them. And that's the thing about strokes gained is not perfect. No, mm-hmm. it's not perfect. It's just the best. That's we right. Have. Yeah. Um, and, and so it is very good. And I do think it paints a really good story, but it's just, it's not perfect. And that the, the actual outdoor environment of the game is largely the reason why. Well, and I'm curious about how much, cause I know, I know the, the strokes gained is both simple and complex. And I think the complexity comes in where I know it gets normalized to a given week, but does it get, and maybe I shouldn't be asking this publicly because maybe I should know it, but like on a, in a situation like that, where it's a, you can't like, if you're within 20 feet of the pin, that's a great shot. Does it get normalized to that hole against the rest of the field? If that makes sense. So are you comparing, Hey, you're 20 feet from this, from the cup. That's bad compared to all the data that we have in the history of the PGA tour, but it's actually good compared to this week in this field and that pin. You know, I don't think so because I thought maybe it does, but I I know that um and they've been talking about this for a while, but but strokes gained V2 version 2 is supposed to be more topography and like all like all of that stuff. Um like you know, greenside 5 yards away from the flag that could be anything, right? It could be a straightforward pitch up the hill or it could be the greens over your head and you're just dead dead. So uh, apparently 
you know, strokes gain V2, whenever that comes out, uh, maybe in the next 20 years is, is apparently going to take into account topography. But I, I do think, think it, Oh, go, go ahead, Kyle. No, 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 you go, Greg. I, I just, when, when the whole field has to handle a situation like that, this is the beauty of strokes gained and why it's so good. There are situations where it doesn't work, but it does, it, it gets averaged out because everybody deals with it. So that shot to 20 yeah. feet there might not get reflected the proper way, but everybody has, everybody goes through that. And the coolest thing, in my opinion, about strokes gained is if you change the way the courses are set up, the, like the reward on distance is something everybody talks about. And that's not Mark Brody saying distance is the, I'm going to put a huge emphasis on distance because it's based on scoring averages. So if, if the rough was up to your waist, right. And I'm not advocating for this. I'm just, if the rough ends up up to your waist across the PGA tour for years and years, then you would see a flip in strokes gained. And all of a sudden accuracy would be way more advantageous than distance. So it, it has a, built-in measure to evolve with the times and evolve with the game, which I, I think is really cool. Well, and you always see this reflected at the U S open, right? And this is, this is why strokes gain is important is because you could go out and shoot a 73 at the U S open and listen, you were six strokes better than the field. And right. That's why that, that right there is why, well, it's one of many reasons why strokes gained is, is, the right way to kind of measure how good or bad you were. It's better if you're looking at a, at a large sample, six months, a year that, that really smooths out. But even in a week or a round can do 65 at the players championship, 10 strokes better than the field. And it, the 65 doesn't tell you the story. So we should, we should look up that question, Rick, about whether it gets normalized on a, even on a single hole or a single shot like that. Cause I think that would be interesting to know. Yeah, that's a good question. And um, a, a real-world example, Bryson told us at the long drive, when he started to go like through this transformation of getting longer, he worked with Mark Brody a lot on this and basically said, if you're three yards longer, uh, you can be six yards more inaccurate and and still be gaining. And that's yeah. like that's that, that's like a perfect concrete example of how this kind of works and how guys are using it now. And that's, I'm just, you know, just the tip of the iceberg for him, obviously. Yeah. The other thing about the other thing about being at an event is you can very easily follow the 33rd ranked player in the world. Yes. With nobody around, but his wife and aunt. Correct. Yes. Right. It's like amazing. It, it, it's, it's kind of astonishing. Like, it would be extraordinarily difficult to go to a basketball game <laughs> and just follow the 33rd best player in the world around the basketball court for four hours. I yeah. mean, it's, it's I, I saw really one time um, at the travelers, I saw Hunter Mahan go out there and he was the first group off on Sunday. He shot 62. There was nobody there. No, there yeah. was nobody there. And he's not even close to contention. And he fires 62 is one of the greatest rounds I've ever seen. Yeah. And it's, it, yeah, awesome. it gives you a greater appreciation for just the whole tour, really, when you're out there. That'll do it. We'll... Wow. This might okay. be tough. Right? We, might, we might, oh, 
I was I was I was to go through the ending. Did you lose me? Yeah, we, we lost you. We, <laughs> we got an hour in before I had an issue with this. Oh, well, I'm just Kyle and I are thrilled to see you back here because we we almost had a real issue with me and Greg having to close this thing out. <laughs> yeah, this would be the hour the the three hour first cut podcast Shriners <laughs> recap. Let me try this again. I'd like to thank producer Jacob doing all the hard work behind the scenes. That right there, Greg Ducharme. You can find him on Twitter at the real GFD. Kyle Porter. You can find him at Kyle Porter CBS. You can find me at Rick Run Good. This has been the first cut, and we'll catch you next time. Okay. Picture this, it's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.